Dum Dum Away! Zero zero one one zero 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 one zero one zero one 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 zero one zero one zero one zero one Yep. Welcome everyone to Screen Review Time Warp. I'm Tyson. And I'm Andrew. And I'm Zach. And this is where we talk about the past, present and future of all things TV and movies. And I think maybe two weeks ago, two the weeks. Golden Globes were on. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, this week, we are going to be looking at the winner of the Best Director. And, or yeah, Best Director and Best Foreign Film. And Best Foreign, foreign film, film, Alfonso Cuarón's Roma, Ooh. the Netflix film. That is what we'll be looking at today, doing a deep dive into that. Mm. But before we get into it, let's mm-hmm. start off in the past and let's talk about some movies that we've rewatched recently and uh, what we're excited about. I'm going to start us off. Ooh. I'm going to start us off with a another foreign film, actually, mm-hmm. um, The House of Flying Daggers, Ooh. 2004. Um, actually, I don't even know the director. Yumo Zhang was the director. Uh, have you guys seen this before? No. No. Um, it sounds maybe. very familiar, though. Oh. So I might have. Brilliant. So. I actually watched this because when we did our episode on The Predator, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, it's just so disposable. It's so blah. I then was um, staying up one night, and I grabbed this movie off, and I was like, I haven't seen this in a while. And I put it on. Oh, this was a breath of fresh air after a popcorn film. It yeah. was so good. So, basically, the idea of the film is that um, it's set in the Tang Dynasty in China. Oh, okay. yeah, the famous Tang Dynasty. Yep. <laughs> You're historian now, are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, 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 you've got that one? <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Anyway, so there's a, um, there is a guerrilla group of um, uh, fighters, I suppose, called the House of Flying Daggers. Ooh. And this story follows a cop that goes undercover um, with one of the people that they believe is the member, a member of the Flying Daggers mm-hmm. to then try and work out where their hideout is in order to basically take them down because they are basically the biggest threat to the empire Mm, at the time. Like a militia group, are they? Yes, that's a better word than guerrilla group, yes. Um, So, yeah, so he goes undercover and he takes this girl and the the girl is played by Zhang Zi, who was probably Mm. most famously known for um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, Oh, yeah. And she was also in Rush Hour 2. Ah, yeah, another one. The classic uh, let's try and get our face and name into the American audience yeah i got you um yeah now one of the things actually several things one of the things that really stru- struck me about this film is that zhang Zi plays a blind character okay hmm. she is not blind herself but she plays this character so convincingly so incredibly convincingly yeah uh her eyes don't accidentally look at certain things off screen like she's if you didn't know, you would think that she was blind. Oh, okay. So, that's the first part. Second of all, every shot is like a painting. It's yeah, so okay. incredibly well shot. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of them, I think it is actually a painting and they put them <laughs> into it. Um, it's so artistic. It's so well done. The color grading, especially, like when they mm. get to the forest and everything has this extremely green tinge to it. Mm. There's a final fight scene that's um, in the middle of like a snowstorm. So, you've got, like, these white streaks everywhere. It's just, like, beautiful wide shots of a great landscape. Yeah. Amazing um, martial arts shown as well, even though there is a lot of, like, as a, like, throwing knives kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of CG in terms of, because, you know, they'll throw, like, one knife and it'll split into two and it'll hit two different people. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. You know, lots of non-possible things, but Mm. it's just so well done. It's different to your other kind of kung fu movies because obviously there is the hand-to-hand combat style, but there's a lot of the throwing knives and stuff like that. Is there a bit of wire work in this film as well, is there? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Very much that Mm. that genre of the crouching tiger dragon, the people running across the tops of trees. Well, Mm. not so much running across tops of trees, but that kind of thing happens as well. Yeah, because what I love about films that come from kind of the Asian market and films that are around this kind of genre, like an action kind of esque, um, you you mentioned specifically with the color grading, like they get so creative and artistic yeah. with it for specific scenes as well. Yeah. Um, like a film I watched, um, it's called Hero, I believe it's called. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, man. <laughs> and like I know this, exactly what you're going to say. Keep going. Yeah. Um, what they do from the different fights, things that the differentiated and everything like that, the wire work. It's just like you said, it's a breath of fresh air, right? Especially yeah. in 
us where we watch so many Western films, like yeah. the scene, yeah. a new spin and how over the top, but it, it just works instantly, right? It's that, not ridiculous. Actually, speaking of Hero, that that's a Jet Li film. Yes, it is. Um, and the thing I remember about that is that each fight is a different color. Yes, it is. So, you've yeah. got one that's the blue fight and one that's the red fight. <laughs> and one, that, and so, it's things like they're in this place and there's like these huge, just plain red tapestries from the ceiling. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, wow. it's so good. If you haven't seen House of Flying Daggers- Highly recommend it. It's only an hour and fifty-eight minutes, so it's a two-hour movie. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one of the movies that I can just rewatch over and over and over. Sweet. It's nice. so so well done, and it has a very good um element to the story. I'm hesitant to say twist, but I mean it is a bit. Just but it's not like a Shyamalan twist. It's a good it's twist. Not. <laughs> <laughs> he went there. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that is The House of Flying Daggers, 2004. I would highly, highly recommend it. Nice. Very, very good. On to me now. What have we got next, Zach? I am bringing a film that I, I, I feel like I've talked about a bit on this podcast, but I've actually never dedicated like a past or future or present or whatever to it. Yeah. It's The Social Network. I love um, this film. This film, man, I honestly, like, I mean, I could watch this so much. So many times. Um, if you didn't know already, the social network centers around Mark Zuckerberg. It is a biography around it. Um, and it basically follows how he would create the site. Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook. Yeah, I was going to say Mark Zuckerberg being the guy who made Facebook or one mm, of the guys. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. Um, directed by David Fincher, expertly so as well. Aaron Sorkin wrote this screenplay. Um, you've got Jesse Eisenberg in a terrific performance as Mark Zuckerberg. Andrew Garfield as the co-founder, Edward Severin. You've also got Justin Timberlake, Rooney Mara, to name a few. Oh, JT. JT. Lovely. Tennessee. Yeah, love it. Um, <laughs> this movie, man. This movie, obviously, it's a Fincher film. So, A, it is shot beautifully. There is such thought gone into every frame. It's smooth, but it's so sinister as mm, well at the yeah. same time. This has a terrific score by two of the members from Nine Inch Nails, um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Um, and wow. they actually won an Oscar for it as well. Yeah. Really sinister. stuff. Wow. Because I feel like... Oh, you go. I was going to say, did this movie win? It did. It won three Oscars. Three Oscars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, carry on. Yeah. The, what I love about this movie as well is one could actually very strongly argue that Mark Zuckerberg isn't the protagonist of this film. It's actually Eduardo Saffron. The reason I say this is because... Really? Well, if you think... Let's think of how... Think about it from this perspective, right? The entire movie of Mark Zuckerberg, even from the start, is portrayed as a bit of a jerk, a bit of a loner, not he's the just most attractive. awkward. And exactly, he right? Just, he's so inward thinking. He's like, well, mm. I'm going to create this for what I want to create it for. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really think about anyone else. No. And he, to be honest, he doesn't really want much help. No. Even when he goes to his best friend to help him. Exactly, It's, it's right? very drawn back like yeah he's, you, know, you can see he doesn't want to admit that he wants help it's true <laughs> but he's like, i need it and then you've got eduardo played by andrew garfield who is yeah very handsome nice guy look always looking out for mark even though mark probably doesn't deserve it yeah you're positioned very early on to lean towards eduardo yeah and not towards well he's mark. you can tell he's the hard worker it's true the film. Right? Like he's always going to jobs and mm. you know putting in the man hours for very little pay or no pay at all mm. where mark's just Mark Zuckerberg, inverted mm-hmm. commas, is just creating this social network, more or yeah, less, and true. not doing what the other guy's doing, mm. and, and he's paying for it. Yeah, and there's a lot of sequential time manipulation here as well. Mm. So we'll cut back into from the past of how it's yeah. created, and to two kind of not really kind of maybe is it? It's not really court hearings. Is it? It's more like lawyers. It's, it, it's private. Yeah. Hearings, so it's private not, not in a courtroom. It's mm. being settled. Well, it's being settled outside of court. Mm, between Mark sense. and Eduardo. Yeah. And between Mark the lawyers. and the, um, was it the the twins played by Army Hammer? Yeah. Um, <sighs> I can't remember name, who so. they were. Because they had something very similar set up in there. The Winklevoss twins, that's, that's right. Um, but they literally approached Mark and said, here's our idea. Can you program this for us? Yeah. Um, I love this film a lot. It's amazing. Shot beautifully. What are your guys' thoughts on the film? I'll be honest, yep. I avoided this because okay. of my general distaste towards social media. Okay. Um, I've never been on Facebook. I never was on MySpace before that. Mm-hmm. I was never on any of them. And when this came out, I, I basically didn't want to see it because of that. And then, because, and then due to that, missed it. Mm-hmm. And I 100% realized that's my fault because 
I later on, when it came out, I 100% thought they were like, hey, Facebook's popular. Because this is also, this was when Facebook was popular, but it hadn't outlasted MySpace at this mm, point. Yeah, it was okay. still, it could have still died. And in my mind, I was like, cool, they're getting on the bandwagon before it dies and so on. Obviously, I was wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Facebook is still around. Yep. Yeah. But having not been a user, I was not really clued up on the whole thing. So, mm. I never saw it. And it, and it, does, it does actually strike me a bit because I basically let my pride get in the way of watching a good film. Mm-hmm. Because other people have since said, just Zach, yourself being very vocal about it that it is such a really good film. And looking at it now, it's got a 95 meta score. Yeah, mm. you should really watch it. And man. so, yeah, like I- Even for the pure fact that it's a biopic mm-hmm. and just yeah. to see how it happened, like obviously, it's, you know, it's yeah, dramatized yeah, course, a lot, yes. but still <laughs> a, a lot, lot of it did of happen license. as well. No, yeah. yeah. And it's very leaning towards like portraying Mark Zuckerberg yeah. in not a great light. Like who knows if that's who Mark Zuckerberg really he is. is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is obviously based off, I'm pretty sure um, Aaron Sorkin based it off the- a book called The Accidental Billionaire by yes. Ben yeah. Mesrich. Yeah. 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 The, the, I love this film. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, especially mm. Jesse's portrayal of Mark Zuckerberg as well. Yeah, man. Like the one scene that always just sticks in my head mm-hmm. is when he, he's in his room and he figures something out. So he mm-hmm. grabs his bag. He's got nothing but shorts on socks and like slip on sandal things. Mm-hmm. And it's in the middle of winter. So the snow's deep mm-hmm. and he's that focused. He just starts running through the snow and then realizes halfway through that he's like, oh, I'm running through the snow with nothing but socks on. Mm, <laughs> you, know, you know, and the dedication that he had to creating the social network, mm. I felt he nailed that on the head. Mm. You know, like nothing would shake him so from what good. he wanted to do. And Does- the script as well by Aaron Sorkin, like so smart. Mm. It's real witty, so intelligent, but it actually, it knows as well how to play with you yeah. as the audience as well. And kudos to Justin Timberlake as well. He killed it, man. He did really well. I, I like Justin Parker. Timberlake as, a, as an actor. Yeah, same. Despite what anyone says. Yeah, he's, yeah. he surprises me. Mm. He is, when a lot of musicians then go into acting, you're like, okay, yep, cool. You've, You've either bought your way into it or you've done enough music videos to go, hey, I think I can do this. But mm-hmm. JT surprises me at how well he can act. Yeah. Mm. He is really, really good. Yeah. And just even more of this kind of jerky, just kind of idol that Mark arrogant. idolizes. Yeah. yeah. Very arrogant, very up himself. Yeah. Even though, you know, half the businesses he invested in has now gone bankrupt. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. You know, that that happened because of XYZ. We were failing say, already and stuff that's, like that. That's yeah. a very Silicon Valley kind oh, of excuse. Yeah. <laughs> very much so, yeah. But look, if you somehow haven't seen this movie, I very strongly suggest you do. Um, it's very methodical. It's very sinister, but it is fantastic. It's yeah. a David Fincher film, just without all of the blood and gore. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Right. Well, I think it's my turn now. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. I am bringing a movie called The Way, Way Back. Ooh. I love this film. I know you love this film. So it stars, the biggest star that we've got on the list is Steve Carell. Oh, yeah. And we've got Tony Collette. Oh, and, and, then, and Sam Rockwell. And Sam Rockwell. Yep. I, was, I was getting there. Was okay, sorry, sorry. on the tip of my tongue. Sorry. But it focuses around a kid called Liam James is the actor, and his name is Duncan in the movie. Mm, so okay. I'll read you the little synopsis. A uh, uh, shy 14-year-old Duncan goes to a summer vacation with his mother and overbearing boyfriend and her, and her boyfriend's daughter. Um, having a rough time fitting in, Duncan finds an unexpected friend in owner and manager of WaterWiz Water Park. So it sets up this thing with this kid going away for a summer holiday. Doesn't really like his stepdad. Oh, not so, no, not stepdad. The boyfriend of the mother, and he is an overbearing jerk. Mm-hmm. He's on his case about anything and mm-hmm. everything. Doesn't give him a moment to breathe. Mm-hmm. And- Turns Steve Carell into the most hateful person in the world he's he's disgusting from the second he opens his mouth at the beginning of the film you're just like you're not a nice person like he's just willing to tear this kid down at any point just Mm because he can't stand him Mm -hmm. and it's honestly it's just a really light easy to watch movie summertime everyone's been this kid at some point in their life Mm, a little bit awkward not knowing where you fit in Mm. and finding where he fits in at the most randomest place of water park. Mm. And they give him the nickname of Pop and Lock. <laughs> no, that's right, Pop and Lock. <laughs> it's just like even the dialogue and everything is just mm. it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. You know? It rolls off the tongue. There's a few memorable moments as well, like passing each other in the water slide and Yeah. It's uh, I can't plug this movie enough. It's definitely worth a watch. If you just want to turn something on and just watch it for the sake of it, mm. this is one to do it for. It is the same writers and directors of The Descendants. Yep. 
which was uh, which won an Oscar for their writing. So, The Descendant, starring George Clooney, um, the writers and directors being Jim Rash and Nat Faxon. Mm-hmm. Jim Rash being the dean in Community. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Same so, same studio that also brought out um, Little Miss Sunshine and Juno as well. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I love this movie so much. I was going to say, how do you feel about this movie? It's genuinely funny. Because mm-hmm. um, Sam, Sam Rockwell knocks it out. The oh, part. he's so good. He's <laughs> so, so good because he's, as you said, he's the owner and manager, but he's just so clueless and blasé. Not in a way of like, like he just doesn't know what's going on. I mean, he doesn't know what's going on, but he's <laughs> just like, hey, I like a water park. Let's have a water park and yeah. let's have people here. And so, yeah, it's. And he's just, he's so good at being like this surrogate father figure. Yeah. And not in like a weird, creepy way as well. Yeah. Just totally like, hey, like I see you as being a good dude mm. and, you know, I'm, he's we're like just going to kind of hang out and- He's I'm like that c- cousin that you look up to, the older cousin that's yeah. cool and funny and will look out for you no matter what. Yeah. That's what he's like. And there is a great scene towards the end of the movie where he- basically inserts himself physically between Duncan and Steve Carell's character. Yeah. Which is so that kind of like, and he's, but he's also like, he's not looking directly in Steve Carell's eye. He just kind of like gets in the way. He's like looking down his and shoes. And just won't get out of his way. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's so good because you see that, because he's, because he is so blase, Sam yeah. Rockwell, you see, well, no, he is actually serious. He's, he's quite protective. He loves this kid, this kid. Yeah. And he wants the best for him. And it's just so, it's a great coming-of-age story. Yeah. Great coming-of-age story. And I think if you even look at the film in a timeline, it's only like over two weeks. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, it, they, yeah. and they develop this really close friendship in, I don't want to say feelings toward each other, but they, they love each other. Yeah. This kid and this guy, you know, they, they become really, really good friends. Mm. A great mix of genuinely hilarious comedy oh. and very serious um, <laughs> emotional drama. Mm. Yeah, I... I think I last saw this like maybe like three years ago or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I feel like now, obviously that I'm like an adult now and a, a little, little bit older, older. Yeah. I should rewatch it again. Yeah. Um, just so I can get, you know, you always, whenever you watch movies, like you watch again. Yeah. Always stuff you don't pick up on when you're a small child. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Watch it. I give it a 10 out of 10 Ooh. for me. Yeah. Wow. It, it goes into Prestige. my top 20 of all time. Wow. wow. Top 20. I, w- I would not give it, ten- I would give it a solid nine without any hesitation. I just, from the moment it starts to it finishes, I'm not like, oh, can we just get to the next scene or something? I'm just, I enjoy yeah, every yeah. single minute You're of right. it. Yeah. Especially the kid with the lazy eye and stuff. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, it's, oh, so good. Mm. So good. All righty. All right. Time so, for award season. <laughs> yes, that's right. The Golden Globes, as we said at the start, were recently. Mm-hmm. Um, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, Directed, well, he wrote, directed, shot, edited, and produced. So good. Roma, mm-hmm. which is available on Netflix. It mm-hmm. is a Netflix film. Yep. Um, about a, it's a year in the life of a middle-class family in Mexico in 1970, 1971. Mm-hmm. Specifically focusing on the maid of that middle-class yes, yeah, family. that's right. Yeah. Because if you didn't, if you want to wear Alfonso, um, he, this film is very much kind of, a passion project in the sense that in that middle class family, like he was one of those kids growing up. Yeah. And to the fact that he actually included the maid in this film as well. She has like a nice little cameo. Really? Yeah, towards ah, the end. I did not of know the film. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but very much a snapshot of his life growing up in Mexico and whatnot. You can tell it's a very purposeful film. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Um Yeah, so thoughts initially. I'll go first. Go. I really enjoyed this film. I would give it a 9 out of 10. Um, I will preface it though saying it's not for everybody. Mm. Um, I feel like you really have to be in the right mood to watch this film. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, it is real. It is intimate. It is It's just a beautiful film, I feel like. And I'll get into more why. But I think from a director like Alfonso, who is so... He's so, like, he's very much known for those sci-fi and fantasy films. Yes. Your Gravities, your Harry Potter, your That's Children right. of Men. For him to come out with something so restrained. Which are all things like he this. did, by the way. Yes. Um, like this, I feel like it's very refreshing. And it's a very, it's very, 
sad film. It's a very heartbreaking film. Yeah. 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 So and like like I said, I started watching it last night, but I left it too late and then it got late and I got tired. So I only got halfway through the film. But mm. what I did see made me very, very intrigued and I did want to finish it. Mm-hmm. But obviously I think we're gonna spoil it here, so I'll find out a few things. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> but, yes, you will. But I am gonna go home and finish watching it. But mm-hmm. like you said, it is a very beautiful film. Mm. The way that it's shot every mm. camera angle and everything like we were talking about it before and we'll dive into that a little bit later yeah um but it's yeah i can't fault you on that it's a beautiful film mm. and the fact that it was in black and white was not jarring at no, all. no it didn't, wasn't didn't right. take it away no at all. I, I would dare say it made it better yeah mm-hmm. um, correct <clears throat> excuse me uh because it being in black and white it it gives it a bit more of an artistic edge mm-hmm. um because there is less about composing the shot in terms of colour. There's mm. just more about composing the shot in terms of placement of just kind of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I will be honest. I didn't love this. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I watched it and I was like, I 100% understand why it won, it won yeah. Best Director mm-hmm. and Best Foreign Film. I think I don't think it would win Best Film at okay. the Oscars. Okay. Um, although it wouldn't be eligible again because it's foreign film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's amazing that Alfonso Cuaron uh, wrote, directed, produced, shot, edited. Mm-hmm. Like, it is brilliant. Like, he's an extremely talented person, but it just, there wasn't enough there for me. Okay. Okay. Now, I relate this to a, and what I mean, so there is another movie that is very slow moving. It's a movie called Adam. It's about mm-hmm. a um, guy with Asperger's who his father is his main character and his father dies and it, it shows how- he then starts adjusting to life out in the real world, which he has been sheltered from the entire mm-hmm. time. Yeah. That's another movie where nothing kind of happens and it's over the space of about mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. But there was still a bit more in that that I felt was a bit resolved. This, in my opinion, didn't feel super resolved at the end. Okay. Maybe that's because it is actually based on a real story. Mm-hmm. Is it? Well, it's, it's based on him, like his life. Like, oh, as, really? As I said, like he was one of those kids in that middle class family. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. The fact where I think he like he tried to get like 70% of his original furniture in his house to put in this film. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um. So, look, and, there, and there's some great things that he does in it. So, like mm. the positioning of the, the mother and the domestic worker, the maid, are going through a similar circumstance. Mm-hmm. But there is that very clear cultural class divide. Yep. Okay. Um, and you see it at certain shots where it's, you know, she's just experiencing something and then, and then the mother's just experiencing something and then they literally lock eyes and it's like they could bond over this thing right now, mm-hmm. but they don't. Mm-hmm. The mother has almost too much pride and she has to get up and she leaves. Okay. And so there's, that, there's those kind of things that are very well done. And there's another shot later on where- Basically, news is broken, and then there's a cut, and then it's there is a wedding in the background, and you're like, oh, okay, I see the it's very, the beginning very smart, and end. Hey. Kind of, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's those things that I really appreciate, which mm-hmm. is great, but they're just, as I said, there just wasn't enough of a resolution here, mm. and it kind of like I got to the end of it, and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. I can definitely see where you're coming from, where you don't think there's a resolution. From my perspective, like this film is very much a year in the life. And as well, this film, like, that's the plot of the film, I feel like, is where yeah. we're following a year in the life of this maid and the the highs and the downs and the, the ups and lows that come with that, right? Yeah. Because um, it's very similar where I feel like the interaction between the characters is what drives this film the, and the plot of this film. Like, the, the plot's just that and it's how the characters interact with one another all between the film. That's what drives the film. Yeah. Similar to Lady Bird, um, which is the most recent example for me, I feel like. I'm yeah. sure plenty of other films have done it, but that's my most recent example. So, I didn't feel like I didn't need that much of a resolution. I was pretty satisfied with how it ended. It ended yep. almost just as like how it started. Um, yeah, yeah. Film started with her. Life's you know, still going on. Exactly, yeah. legitimately. Yeah, and I think as well, like the, you have this recurring motif of a plane, Mm. going over um, in the sky. Um, and I'm not sure if that's intentional or not, but I feel like that's just that sign- signifying that life goes on, like nothing yep. stops, yep. that yep. type of thing. So we start off with the film with her 
with a bucket of water trying to well that's all you see is the water just going backwards and forth, yeah backwards. just cleaning yeah. just the walkway and then the very end of the film as well is she literally just walks all the way up to the top of the house and starts pulling down washing and then we just get roma on the yeah. screen yeah um so that's from that's my perspective and my opinion on that one yeah, yeah. Mm. i i wonder actually if i was maybe positioned incorrectly by mm-hmm. the trailer yeah, okay. Because okay. I didn't see trailers didn't, or anything. No, I, I didn't watch just, a trailer either. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think, I think I might have watched it before the Golden Globes and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think okay. it came up on Netflix, and I watched the trailer, and it, like, I knew that it was going to be a, a slow and artsy movie, mm. but there is a scene, and I think it doesn't say it here on IMDb, but I think on Netflix it possibly talks about um, revolutionary stuff. Yeah, happening mm-hmm. in the 1970s in Mexico, mm. which I think, and then you watch the trailer, and there's obviously that part in there, and I think it possibly in my mind, I thought that was going to play a bigger element, that there was going to be this upheaval, and how does that go on? And it's not. It mm. is a it's very much one contained it, scene, yes, right? It's yeah. an extremely emotional, quite violent mm. um, scene that happens, or collection of scenes that happen about two thirds of the way through. Mm-hmm. And it like it is so crazy. Like I'm sitting there and I'm like on the verge of tears mm. by the yeah, end of it. I was as well. But then you kind of it's done. Mm. Yeah. And it goes back to like this just continuing day to day kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and yeah, so I think maybe my fault was I, I watched this trailer and I was like, Oh, okay, this will be very interesting and you know but then it was still different from that. So Yeah. Yeah, even like I didn't watch a trailer, but even just from the plot, how it specifically mentions social and political outrest or, or yes. whatever. Yeah. Um, I was more like, okay, this might be, you know, a little uh, maybe a snapshot like a black clansman of the times and stuff. Yeah. But um as you said, when the scene came on where obviously we have the uprising in Mexico and the riots that follow, it was very much one contained scene. And then that's kind of it, and then we're on to the next thing. Yeah. But I feel like this all very much signifies the type of movie, like, and the amount of restraint he's going for, because mm. this movie is so restrained, man. Mm. Like, Alfonso yeah. um, Cuaron, he so much restraint. You, the shots even, it's a lot of locked off. It's a lot of slow moving pans and camera yeah. angles. Everything's so slow and methodical. Mm. But that's what gives it a sense of intimacy, I feel. Yeah. Like, how restrained he is. Like, there's such a... Of simplicity and nuance to this film, yeah, I feel yeah. like. That's what we were talking about when mm. when I got here. We were saying, like, he loves just the big, long shot. Like, it's mm. just one shot. They're yeah. sat there. They're talking. You can see yeah. everything that's behind them. The yeah. kitchen, people moving around. Mm. It's not like normal movies. If people are talking, you're on one person's face yeah. and the next person's face. Just that one locked shot, like mm. you said. I, I loved it. I thought it was yeah. quite beautiful. Because then that illustrates as well just the life going around them. Yeah. and Because it, yeah. it positions you so early on in mm. the to live through this maid and her experiences and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so I really early on quite positioned myself with the maid. And one of the earlier scenes kind of got me really upset as well. Do we want to talk about maybe some spoilers now as well? Well, yeah, I was just going to touch on a bit. Do you mm. think he was using these locked-off shots because it's set in 1970s. He was trying to imitate that, you know, we're always using tripods and there's very, like, there's no crane shots. There's no, mm. like, I think in my mind, the scene towards the end of the movie on the beach is, mm. like, the only dolly shot yep, I correct. can think of. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's to do with the times. I think it's just every scene, like, it is visually capturing. So, like, the yep. house, the yeah, furniture, okay, yeah. the kitchens. Even that bit where I got up to in the film where they're going down the stairs into the servants' quarters and stuff at the party. Yeah. With those stairs that come all the way down mm. and, like, no barriers and you can see the party happening just in the background. Yeah. But you got this big open space where they're coming down the stairs. Mm. I thought it was a beautiful shot. Oh, yeah. And I it, think that's what it was. It was, like, look at everything that's going on in this one picture, mm. not about the times and, the, and all that. But that, that's my mm. take on it. And all the acting superb as well from yeah. a predominantly i think maybe amateur or international cast well i don't um, know a single one of them yeah it's a it's very strong performances very yeah. nuanced but i feel like as well he's gone for that whole real realist realism aesthetic yeah. as well yeah so yeah makes sense to go Even with the kids with actors pretty good actors yeah, no, solid, hey? yeah yeah mm, okay let's get into mm-hmm some spoilers for it. So if you haven't seen this, go mm-hmm. off and I watch seen it. Half and, of it. <laughs> no, sorry, Andrew, you <laughs> can stick <away>. around. <laughs> um, okay, so 
obviously the maid gets pregnant mm-hmm. and then yeah. the father takes off. Mm-hmm. Literally leaves her at the cinemas. Yep. Mm. <laughs> what a legend. Yeah. Um, we have a very awkward scene with him though. Yes. Yeah. Still <laughs> confuses me. What's is that, going on? What, where he's like naked and he has the shower thing? Yeah. And he's like, like martial arts my life. I know. It's like, <laughs> why, why are we watching this? Why doesn't he have pants on? <laughs> so I think that relates to later on in the, like the revolution scene, mm-hmm. those martial artists are what appear. Mm. Oh. And he yeah. is actually there as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I think that's what kind of ties it in. I. Are they naked? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. Ah. Um. But yeah, it is. That is such a full-on scene, and mm. I was going to say the scene that follows it, it's more full-on for me. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It then takes you so this revolution, and then her water breaks oh, man. during and, during the out the outburst. Yeah, and then just to kind of like cap it all off, her baby is a stillborn. Oh man! So the baby is dead, and it's mm. so like that scene is so clinical. Yeah, man. Like it's oh okay cool we're going to try this. One, two, three, resuscitate. One, two, three, checking for a heartbeat now. There is no heartbeat. Let's try again. One, two, three. I'm sorry, miss, that your daughter was born dead. Would you like to hold her? Yes. Okay, here you go. You have 30 seconds. And it's like, it's just so. Mm, it's all one shot. They only shot that once, I believe, as well. Like, that's the only wow. take they did, yeah. Meh. Another fun factor was they got real kind of nurses and doctors for yeah. that scene as well. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's. Can I say the one thing I did not appreciate about this film, mm-hmm. and it happens a couple of times. One of them I think was here in the hospital. The other one I can definitely think of is when they're in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. They have this scene where it's like, it's a super emotional scene. So let's go with the restaurant. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is a big spoiler. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. So the dad has left the kids. Very he's, early on in yeah, the film. Yeah. He goes off and he goes to Canada for a bit, but then he's basically- Does he go back. to Canada? Yeah. He's there for a week, apparently. Okay. Not three months. Yeah. Okay. And then he's he's off with his mistress and he's left the kids and he's not writing oh. to them and blah, blah, blah. But he's actually still in the city though. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And so, the, ki- the mum takes the kids away for like a bit and goes, oh, the reason we're away is so that your dad can come and collect his furniture because he's not coming back. He's- he hasn't so been So, she does tell the kids. She does tell them. Just she's straight so, up. Yeah, just straight up over dinner. Yeah. And so, like, there's this kid bawling his eyes out. And then, like, the waitress comes along and is like, do we want dessert? We've got ice cream. We've got strawberry and vanilla and chocolate. And this kid is, like, bawling. So, it's, again, it's that whole idea. What you're talking mm-hmm. about, Zach, life goes on. Like, yeah. the waitress is like, okay, mm. some kid's crying, whatever. Mm. Meanwhile, his world is breaking apart. Yeah. yeah. But was that the- Maid that we've been watching, or is it just another maid? No, no, oh, sorry, no, no, sorry. That was the waitress the... of the restaurant. Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. And so she's going, and then like it literally just cuts, and they're all eating ice cream. Yeah. And then in the background, there's a there's a wedding. There's a wedding. There's yeah. literally like a wife, yeah. um, and a husband just taking photos. There's all celebrations around them. So you've got oh, it, and shot. look, and that oh. that scene actually sticks out because you're like, it's so good that the symbolism of here mm. is a couple that is starting their life, mm-hmm. and here is the mum without the dad. Where their marriage was broken down, yeah, with the kid oh, and, wow. and the byproduct of that, right? Yeah. yeah, and that and that is great. But the thing I don't like, and it happens a couple of times, is like you are partway through this really emotional scene, and it just cuts. I think that's the point, though. It it felt jarring for me. Did it feel jarring okay. for you, or is Not it just for me? No, okay, maybe it is just you. No, <laughs> <laughs> I can understand the jarring, but I feel like that's. That was his point, mm. especially if he was the editor as well. He's yeah. like, let's really shake this up and just cut it. Yeah. And leave people feeling like that going into the next scene. Yeah, look, I 100%, 100% understand why he did it. I just felt like the execution mm. didn't quite nail it. Okay. But okay. maybe that's just me. Maybe that's yeah. just me going, mm. I didn't. I would no. have left that shot longer mm. or shorter. No, because I feel like as well, you want to create a jarring effect so where the audience carry that through because then the next shot is them at the beach and it's where the maid Cleo has to go rescue some of the kids who almost drown in the sea because they mm. can't swim properly and then they're all brought together and they have like a massive hug on the beach saying oh I love you so much Cleo and all of this mm. so I feel like it, and that scene is all that one shot dolly as yeah. well so I feel like because this film ultimately is about family love and courage right that's what this film tries to encapsulate all through this maid's perspective who isn't a part of the family. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
like is and isn't. Mm. So yeah. the big scene, and it's the poster of it where they're all yeah. hugging on the beach. Yeah. Mm. She's there because she is a part of the family. Mm-hmm. She is, yeah. But she's actually like, she's not no, no, technically. Yeah, and it's, it's so yeah, it's, yeah. look, mm. it's a good, it's good. I like it. I think it's great. Um, but again, as I said, like you have to be in the right mood for this movie, man. Yeah. Like this is an hour and a half, but at points it can feel like it's a, oh no, sorry, it's two hours and 15. Hours. <laughs> um, yeah. But it does feel like it stretches on a bit longer. Thus, because there's no massive dramatic action scene or anything like that. As yeah, I said, yeah. it's very much the plot is characters playing off one another and yep. the situations they choose and the actions and the byproducts of those as well. One thing that is very clear about this one, and it also strikes me with something like Ladybird that mm-hmm. you were talking about before, yep. is that this film could not get away with anything being less than excellent. Yes. Like yeah. there are so yeah, yeah, many yeah. long shots. There are so many um, single takes. Mm. That because even the opening scene, the first thing I thought of. So there's this whole like just the opening credits. Yeah, is a one shot, and then it pans up, mm-hmm. and it continues on, and she does something, and then she goes, and then she comes back, and it just goes on and on and on. And in my mind, I was like, if she had done one thing wrong, they would have had to redo that whole long thing again, long thing of just like water being washed out again yeah. and again. And there's so many great shots where it's if you did not get this the first time. You couldn't, you couldn't get it in post. Like, you no. couldn't cut things together. It's true. Mm. Because it had to be done perfectly. And that is really good. That is something yeah. about this movie that I 100% go, this is so well mm. made. Yeah. Mm. I just- I watched this with my parents because my internet was broken at the time. <laughs> Classic <sighs> Perth. And my dad- was just constantly like, what did this win an award for? Why? Oh, no one's going to go and see this. <laughs> and I was like, look, I understand why he's saying that, but it is, like, it is very well, it's very well made. This is a perfect film. Yes. It's not a blockbuster. It's not a not American, a, American Not a movie. Film. Yeah. It's a film. It's and a it's, proper yeah. film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's good. Look. I would 100% recommend that Give people it a watch shot. it. Give yeah. it a try. Look, it won Best Foreign Film and Best Director, so mm. and I if that totally alone doesn't understand why. Yeah. I think it will win Best Director and Best Foreign Film of the Oscars. Yeah. Um, it remains Me- to be seen if it wins Best... Do you reckon Best Director? I think 100% it yeah. will. Yeah. 100%. Um, even though you've got you know people like Spike Lee, you've got the guys that did Green Book, you've got Barry Jenkins. Yeah. I mean, they haven't come out the noms yet, but I think the direction on this film is... Like shop, it is crisp. Like it is, yeah, very purposeful. Um, as all those films are, but I feel like this film stands out above. Do you think? Here's mm-hmm. a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it is possible to have a film that is this well directed and this well shot mm-hmm. and have it wide appealing? That is a good question. That's a very good question. Probably not. Um, I feel like. Well, it, these this season for us anyway, obviously this yep. January, February season for us in Australia, it's very awards based. So you've yeah. got a lot of niche films. Like I spend half my time at the indie cinema at this time of the year, like at, at Luna <laughs> in Leederville, yep. um, because that's where all of those movies come out, right? Like mm. our grand cinemas, our event, they're not going to no. show those. And if they do, it's for one night only. Legit, right? Yeah. Or it's like one session at like 3.30 yeah. during the day, right? Yeah. Um. I feel like it can have some wide appeal, but oh, sorry, but not a whole lot no, as well. I don't think it's like it be won't a whole have, lot. it won't reach the amount of like an Avengers Infinity War, will, right? It's it's just totally different. It is, it yeah. is totally. Different. It's a different target audience. It's yeah. a different, you know, different people appreciate different types of films, and yeah. So I think, I think ultimately no. Yeah, I think I mean, you, you have exceptions like La La Land, but that well, that's a that's an easier film to universally love. I feel like. See, I was like, I was thinking I never saw La La Land. The one that really? I was, that immediately came to my mind was in um, not Inception, although Inception <laughs> is actually brilliant. The one I'm actually thinking oh, of is Interstellar. Oh. Yeah. Um, but again, you don't have like those long shots. You don't have the single no. takes. It's all and there is still that action element of like yeah, there's things blowing up and things going wrong, and so yeah, it's. It, which is unfortunate because mm-hmm. you always like it's good that Netflix has this movie and obviously yeah, props Alfon- to Netflix man for like giving Alfonso and, like yeah exclusive and they are film. trying a lot of different things which is mm. great yeah um but well, like you know mm, mm. you also have Alfonso Coran <laughs> who's made his name yeah and mm. so like 
Well, he made his name before this. Exactly. Well, he made his name saying. on yeah. widely appealing yeah. movies before mm. he would come in and go, okay, this, this is, is what, what I, I really want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we see that a lot with like directors like Steven Spielberg and a couple of others where they go, one for one for them and one for me. Yeah. Mm. So I'll do one film that's really wide appealing and the, you know, the, um, the production house will love and they'll get big money from it. But then I'm going to do one that I yeah. really want to do. And it's not going to make as much money. It's not going to be as wide appealing, but it's going to be something that's that wild. I really I want to do. going to win the Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, it's mm. an unfortunate catch 22. Yeah. It mm. all depends on the film though. Like, as yes. I mentioned, like a La La Land, that film transcended pop culture. I feel yeah. like um, it was such a, well, not maybe transcended, but it was a lot easier to, for audiences to, accept and enjoy than say like a moonlight which one best picture yeah 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 anyway should we look to the future okay so into the future some things coming out what we're excited for let's start off with andrew what are you bringing i am bringing the mandalorian the mandalorian what's this about mandalorian if you do not know what a mandalorian is uh Star Wars, think Boba Fett. They are the race called the Mandalorians. Like a warrior race. Yeah, like a warrior race expert at combat firearms. With really cool jetpacks. Really cool jetpacks. <laughs> um, they're just- If they work. They're the perfect assassins, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah and um, so the synopsis so far, because this is coming out on Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. which is still yet yeah. to be released. So I was watching the video last night, looking at what we know so far, mm-hmm. and Disney+, Plus. And this show especially isn't going to come out to the end of late nine, 2019. So end of this Late year. 2019. Yeah. Wow. So late okay. this year. So The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. The series follows the trials, uh, the travels of a lone gunfighter in the outreaches of the galaxy far from authority and of the New Republic. Mm. Now, who created this, Andrew? Um, you tell me. John Favreau. That is correct. <laughs> Old mate chef. Old mate chef. Oh, I love chef. I need to do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So he also did the first two Iron Mans as well. First two Iron Mans, Jungle Book, and yep. soon The Lion King. Correct. Which is not real yes. life. It's just CGI. But anyway. Um, but no, I'm really looking forward to this. And they've got their Mandalorian, mm-hmm. uh, Pedro Pascal. Mm, and he is from Game of Thrones, yeah. Narcos, yeah. and... Second Kingsman. Second Kingsman, Golden Circle. Mm. He, I love this actor. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he's and I, I picture him perfectly as the Mandalorian. Mm. Even with the helmet on and helmet off, mm-hmm. his stance, his body structure, I think he's going to be brilliant. I think it's just interesting because we've never delved deep into a Mandalorian. No. Like, well, not in the films, yes. no. Lots yeah. of people love Boba Fett. And you will look at many interviews with George Lucas and he says, I don't understand why people like him so much. He was he was he was not meant to be a big thing. Yeah, there's there's a very interesting study into like why people liked Boba Fett was because um, he was promoted a lot. Yeah, going into the second film about oh he, there's this new character Boba Fett he's great all toys and everything and because he was such a small character yeah what it meant is that kids could then invent a lot of their own stories about him because yeah. he didn't have a big big idea and a big mm. canon behind him. Yeah. So he became so well-loved. And also, like, that iconic helmet yeah. and, like, the That's perfect it. hunter. Like, there's it's so much to love. Let's see. If you look at Star Wars, you got Darth Vader, the Stormtroopers, and then Boba Fett is the three most visually interesting things of Star Wars, sure. especially for helmets and stuff like that. It, I'm really, game is strong. I'm really excited for this. A lot of good directors and cast as well. But they've, I mean, you've who got- Who are some of the directors that they've So, got? you've got, um, obviously, Dave Filoni, who yep. created The Clone Wars yep. and, and Re- Star Wars Rebels. And Taika Waititi. Taika, yeah. Taika Waititi's Taika coming Waititi's for one. doing an episode. Ooh. So is then Bryce- who's the lady from Jurassic Park? Bryce Dallas Howard. That's her name? Yep. Yeah. Bryce Dallas, so Ron Howard's daughter. Yep. Ron Howard directed Solo. Ah, uh, yep. yep. Um, and then you've also got a director I really like called um, Rick- Bamiua, yeah, I probably butchered that. Name. I know um, the last name. So he directed a film called Dope, which had Shmick Moore in it. Fantastic film. Yep. But he was also set to direct a Flash um, movie, but That's he, right. pulled, he pulled, pulled out because yeah. of him and Warner. That's where I know the name from. Clashing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, but even just the image that they have up on IMDb oh, for the Mandalorian—that's so mm. all I can think about. Yeah. It looks dope. It looks so, so good. They mm. apparently cancelled a Boba Fett solo film. Yeah. For this. Good. Perfect. What I want to know is, so I'm looking at this and it's got, you know, creator, writer, blah, blah. One of the writers for eight episodes is George Lucas. 
Now, can someone confirm, is he actually involved with this or is it just the, as in George Lucas created Star Wars, so his name's on it? Automatically. Yeah. Look, I have no I think clue. he's still very heavily because involved. Is he? But to the point where we don't know. Well, this is the thing. Because like, who's, who's the head honcho lady? Um, oh, um, Kathleen Kennedy? Yes. Yeah. I think she still has to run a lot of things past him before she can give it the green light. Well, normally when you look at a, a credit for something like, you know, the- um, like a Star Wars show or something like that, it's got George Lucas characters created by. It's got like a brackets that mm. essentially says he's not actually involved in this. Mm. He's you know it's based on his um, characters or his stories or something like that. Whereas this one, it just says George Lucas writer eight episodes. So what if he's written eight episodes? Sweet. So well, I, I think it's also along with John Favreau who's written eight yeah. episodes. So I think it's like the they have you know have they hashed out the story together? Is it John Favreau has based on his characters for all eight episodes, so he gets an automatic credit for all of it. Oh, yeah. It it's, could be yeah, I, I, I would be interested- To know. To see, yeah, to know and to see, because given that we've had um, seven, eight, Solo, Rogue One- Nine coming out in December. Nine coming out, yeah. which George Lucas has famously not been involved with and mm. have kind of gone against his yeah. wishes. Yeah. Given that this is set so soon- after, well, not soon, but, you know, after episode six, which was the last one in his canon, like, is he writing it? Is this his way of kind of reinserting himself and directing mm. where half it goes? I don't I know. It's interesting. still have stories to mm. tell. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. He probably has, like, pages and books of plans that he wanted to do. Sure. Mm. I'm excited, though. The Mandalorian's a it's sick. I think, Yeah, and I think it's a good... You're right. It's a good way of... Getting a character and a and a society and a culture, quote unquote, within this universe that people love but hasn't been explored. Yeah. So thousand percent. Yeah. Also, Carl Weathers is in this TV show. Can we oh, just take yeah. a moment to appreciate that? <laughs> mm-hmm. I saw that the other night. I was That's like, so I do sweet. appreciate that. That's great. <laughs> um. So, anything else on the Mandalorian? The Mandalorian. I'm excited. Good. All right. Well, I'm going to bring in another TV show for future. Also, Ooh. another sci-fi. Also another well-loved sci-fi that starts with Star. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery, which is the new Star Trek TV series. They've got uh, the second season is coming out. Um, and the big kind of pull for this season is that Spock is coming into it. Ooh. So, have either of you guys watched nope. the first nope. season of this? I cannot say I have, sir. Nope, okay. I, um, this is interesting because previous Star Trek shows all focus around the captain of whatever. Yep. Yep. Voyager, um, Enterprise, or Deep Space Nine, or they did three on the Enterprise. This one, however, is based around not a captain, and that was their thing going into it. They wanted to have a character that was a bit more relatable. Mm-hmm. And so this- so pe- someone who works down in sanitation or something. Not quite, <laughs> but basically, basically not the captain. Yep. So they aren't going through the big, heavy decisions of- what it is to be captain, mm-hmm. yet yeah. they're doing something less. Someone yep. that deals with the yeah. repercussions of what the captain wants to do. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, still involved heavily with the captain and the bridge and everything like that. Um, so, the story of this character, I'm forgetting her name now because it's been so while, been a while. Michael Burnham, she was the 2IC, the number two mm-hmm. of a ship, yep. which famously essentially got Is this destroyed. the lady from The Walking Dead? Michonne or no? No, no. She was also, there was also another. Um, uh, Sonequa Martin-Green? Yeah, I think it, that was her, yeah. yeah. She was in The Walking Dead for a few seasons. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. So, she was the number two on the ship that encounters the Klingons and, um, yeah, basically gets wiped out. And she's basically blamed because she went against her captain's orders. She mm. knocked her captain out because she believed she was doing the right thing. Ribbled. Yeah. And so, she was put in prison and the first season- was really good, mm. but you need to push past the halfway mark because I got, and not because it's bad, but I got to the halfway mark and I was like, I don't like where they're going with this. I think <laughs> this is an odd choice and blah, 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 but they totally pay off. Oh, wow. At, by the end of the season, you're like, oh, that was really good. Yeah. So, yeah. So, she, in terms of the canon of Star Trek, she's actually Spock's um, stepsister, older stepsister, mm-hmm. or maybe even younger, but- and so, she's the first Vulcan, not quite, but the first one to get into Starfleet Command, which 
Spock originally in the canon is the first Vulcan to be in Starfleet Command. Oh. So it's interesting the way they've done that. They're also doing a bit of time manipulation in terms mm. of the story. Cool. But it's like it's paying off. There is a lot of backlash against this because no. weird things like people are like, that's not what Klingons look like. Okay, cool, get else. over it. It's a look, new generation. Let's it's really well produced. Like, great special effects budget. Looks amazing. Sweet. I think they are telling a really interesting story and they're taking, because it's obviously set prior to the original series. Yeah. But they're telling it in a nice, fresh way. If you haven't seen it, go see. In Australia, it's on Netflix. In America, I don't know. Hulu? What it's on. No, it's on like I think it's CBS actually, or something yeah, like I think that. It's, yeah. yeah. Yes, you're right. CBS. So, yeah. God. Second season. Spock coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got, gosh, if I can find his name now, the actor who's doing it. I can't. Anyway, <laughs> well researched by me. Yeah, very well researched. <laughs> but yes, Spock's coming in. It looks to be a very action-packed, full um season and delving into the good sci-fi questions which Star Trek Beyond did not delve into. Oh. Just had to get that last little jab in there. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, see, I can never get into Star Trek TV shows, hey. Yeah. I'm sorry. I Why just not? can't I get do into it, it man. Couldn't, Why not? Too thinky. I just oh. can't, man. Like, I'll happily watch a J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. Yeah. Um, Except I guess, the last one, which well, wasn't J.J. See, Abrams. look, controversially, I actually don't mind Star Trek Beyond. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, cr- I thought it was awful. I loved the first two. That third one, I was just like, what the heck yeah, look, is I, going on? I don't, I don't look, like I'm going to put it out there. It's because they had a Fast and Furious director do it. <laughs> I'm so, Like, your exact reason, you didn't like yeah. it because it's too thinky. That is exactly why I love Star Trek. But the first two weren't too thinky. There was still action and stuff, but it was... Yeah, but they still good. had that good, yeah. thoughtful element. Whereas the third one was like, hey, explosions and motorbike scenes. And, be- and Beastie Boys. And Beastie Oh my Okay Now that we're bringing that up Sabotage We are going to surf the Enterprise Through a wave of alien ships Literally surf Like there is the tube and everything To the Beastie Boys Why not dude? How did this get through? <laughs> Why not? That's, that's a because cool Because it's stupid Dude you watch that like, in Cinemax you got a big loud screen It's actually no one it's can, so entertaining No one can ever, ever go back and say getting a whale into the future to communicate with aliens was a dumb idea because we're just going to go back and say, I'm sorry, we surfed the Enterprise on alien spaceships to the Beastie Boys. Oh yeah, why not, man? Because it's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) The exact opposite of too thinky. Oh man, if you guys couldn't tell already, Tyson's a very big Star Trek fan. I'm a big sci-fi fan in general because it is thoughtful and provoking and it makes you I can challenge your assumptions. Oh. Whereas this one's like, no, let's surf. It's ridiculous. <laughs> let's get on to something different. Zach, okay. what okay. are you bringing Zachary. to the future? All right, I'm bringing a movie called Velvet Buzzsaw, mm. another Netflix movie. Now, what piqued my interest of this film is that this is written and directed by a man called Dan Gilroy. Now, Dan Gilroy wrote and directed Nightcrawler. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that. I've seen Nightcrawler. I did like it. Had Jack Gyllenhaal in it, which I thought was fantastic. He then did, um, and that centered around kind of rogue cameramen going around at night and capturing news footage before police did. Um, Before the actual news cameramen did. So they would sell it and get money. Yes. And then he also did a movie called Roman A. What is it? Roman J. Esquire or something like that? Roman J. Israel. No, that's nothing about that film. Yeah, which starred Denzel Washington. It didn't do too well, did it? It didn't. No. No. Um, But this film. Um, piqued my interest because Jake Gyllenhaal is in this as well. Yeah. So is John Malkovich. I would say the and Tony Clare and Renee Russo. The first kind of half of this film piques my interest, and the other does not. Um, if you watch the trailer, this is set in basically our society and around contemporary art. Yeah, that's the kind of niche it's set in. Yeah, um, it's the plot is as follows: After a series of paintings by an unknown artist are discovered like that part, a supernatural force enacts revenge on those who have allowed their greed to get in the way of art. Not sure I'm a massive fan of that part. Um, if you watch the trailer to this as well, it the trailer goes from this really kind of cool, niche like, art, you know, critique kind of vibe to then, like, a straight-out kind of horror thriller. And, yeah. look, like, I'll watch it, and I think it, like, there was probably, hopefully there's some good meaning to all of mm. this and stuff like that, but... Yeah. 
I don't know. I, did, I got slightly turned off by it, mm. but I, I'm going to watch it nonetheless, and I'm excited because I like Dan Guroy as a writer and director. See, it's got a big cast. Well, it's got John Malkovich, Jake Gyllenhaal, Tony Collette. Um, yeah, so it's, it's big names. Mm. What were you going to say, Andrew? Sorry, before I cut you off. I watch a lot of trailers at work, but mm. obviously I can't have the volume up and stuff, so I watch them with no volume. Yeah. So I get like a totally different aspect to the trailer mm. before I actually watch it with sound. So when I first started watching this, I was mm. like, oh, it's Jake Gyllenhaal, he loves art. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very arty movie mm-hmm. and it's all about him losing his sight. Yeah. When and it's like the, sanity and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like right? he just like, he's this well-renowned, but now we can't see the art. That's what mm. I thought it was. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously as I watched it further on and realized, oh no, it's actually a horror <laughs> Well, well, I, was just like, I would oh my gosh. rather watch the movie that you just <laughs> <Yeah>. pitched. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, but no, I, like you said, I will probably watch it. Mm. But after I saw like the whole paintings come into life and it, it, yeah. it, it took away from what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But obviously, if all these big names are in it, there must be something. Exactly. To right. it. And Jake Gyllenhaal just, not Jake Gyllenhaal, um, John Malkovich just did Bird Box. So he must be. He must be seeing something in these scripts right. and everything yeah. to do them. And look, even Netflix describe it in their bio for the trailer. Like, it's a mind-bending thriller. Yeah. So, I'm hoping there's some kind of deeper meaning to these paintings and stuff like that, which yeah. is hinted at, like, obviously, greed getting in the way of art. Mm-hmm. But, but it, I, does, it does grab me that the artist who painted them was found dead at the top of the stairs. It's just yeah. like, what, what happened? Exactly, right? So, there's interesting aspects, but then there's also just like... <laughs> Yeah, not I, sure. yeah. Look, I thought it was interesting that at the start, mm. when uh, when it was like, okay, art, and it's looking at the whole idea of art culture and what is art, and mm. furthermore, what makes art good or not. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, and because it it's interesting looking at that idea of like what makes something good mm-hmm. in terms of art, because it's actually chosen by a minority, not a majority. True. So, like, what makes a movie good is produ- is determined by how many people are seeing it, how many people are enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What makes art good is determined by a small number of critiques. And that, yeah. you know, that is a whole nother discussion mm-hmm. for another time. But yeah. when it started off, it's like all oh, these paintings were found by this homeless guy who did them and who's dead and blah. And like, then I was like, oh, how interesting because mm-hmm. similar things have happened. You know, people become famous after they're dead mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then it was like, but then the painting moves and I was like, oh, you know, interesting. And then I was like, oh, this is the ring, but with paintings. Yeah. Yeah, that first scene in the honest, trailer where I was immediately turned off. <laughs> <laughs> that first scene where Jake Gyllenhaal's like freaking out because he's seeing the paint moving and stuff. I thought it was their inner struggles. That's what, yeah, I, that, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. But yeah. then, like when it's grabbing him and pulling him mm. in, I'm just like, oh man. Yeah, exactly. maybe like it is going to be like that. We can't know for sure. Yeah. but I'd much like. Obviously, I'm excited for it, but I'd much rather something like that, like an internal struggle. Yeah. But it doesn't look an like an artsy film about no. art. Exactly, and that would have been interesting. Like the whole exact because then it's like, oh, you know, the pigment was made with blood, and you're like, ooh, how interesting! Like yeah. a different kind of, you know, people appreciating it because of the macabre nature of it and yeah. the internal struggle. And then it's like, no, no, literal hand, reach out, grab you. Mm. And I was like, yeah. uh. but look, I mean, look, we're knocking it before we try it. I was going to say, you're exactly, right, right. Yeah. And Netflix trailers as well, they do have a kind of way of misleading. Yeah, well, we literally, a, yeah, Roma. we literally just said this. <laughs> yeah. Talked about it just before with Roma. I think mm. I was put off because the trailer yeah. was, was different. To exactly. What it was. Yeah. So, yeah. and I trust Dan Guru as well. Nightcrawler, mm. I thought was phenomenal. Yeah, um, I loved it. Yeah, I it was it. such a very great film. Have you seen Nightcrawler yet? No, I haven't. Another one for your list. Yeah, because again, I think yeah, actually, I don't know. I've I think originally I was like they're making a Nightcrawler movie, thinking it was the X Men. <laughs> Oh, this isn't the incredible Nightcrawler. Jack Gyllenhaal is Nightcrawler. Interesting casting mm. choice. Yeah, no, I, it, I, nothing put me against it. I literally p- was looking at it at Netflix the other day. I was like, oh, I, I really need to watch that. Yeah. Nothing against it. I just haven't got around to it, got essentially. To it. Yeah. So, look, I'm going to go watch this movie. I'm hoping it's not doesn't just 180 into a like complete horror movie and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm hoping that. I'll go with a suspense thriller, but mm. if it goes into full horror, like gore and yeah. monsters and stuff. Like, oh. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully not. Very cri- criti- critical of us. Yes. But, um, <laughs> Look, we're not, we're not overly critical most of the time. No. Unless something's really bad. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, we're, we're yeah. open to interpretation. Yeah, I want this movie to change my mind. Yes. All right. I might let you watch it first. Yeah, yeah I, will, I, will, I will. Okay. We'll watch it and then we'll... And then get back to me. Tell you. Yeah. Because <laughs> you probably will not watch it. Brilliant. Anyway, I think we're going to wrap it up, aren't we? Yes, we are. So, anyway, you can find us on lots of platforms. iTunes, not iTunes, um, 
Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spotify, mm. all of those things. You can find us there. Or you can hit us up on Twitter on SRTW Podcast. Correct. Leave us a review. Ask us questions. Mm. We're very happy to talk mm. to And it helps fans. us out as well. Yeah. Helps, helps the word get around to people. And if you think there's a movie that we should watch and talk about, then tell us because we will happily do it. Brilliant. Yep. I don't know if I have any more to say. <laughs> well, in that case, we'll uh, finish it up there. Mm. You've been listening to Screen Review Time Warp. I'm Tyson. I'm Andrew. And I'm Zach. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.